We're going to look in our Bibles in Galatians chapter 6. As you're turning there, I want you to think for a minute about friends, close friends. What made them close? What, what makes a friendship special? Um, think for a minute just about friendships and how those friendships formed. You know, every friendship that you count on um, is unique. And the circumstances that surround how those friendships formed were unique. What brought you together? How did you bond? What did a close friendship mean to you? For Christians, closeness is essential and it's necessary. And Paul talks about it here in this passage. So let's all stand together. If you've found Galatians chapter 6, we're going to read the first few verses, the first 10 verses of Galatians. We're going to focus on verse 2, but I want to read the first 10 verses here. It says, Galatians 6, 1, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of God. For if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. But let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone, and not in another. For every man shall bear his own burden. Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Let's look to the Lord in prayer this evening as we look to His Word. Lord, I thank You for Your Word. Lord, I thank You for the truth of Your Word and the help that it is. Lord, as we come this time of preaching, I pray that You just um, cause our hearts to be open and receptive. Lord, I pray that we would examine our hearts and our lives. And Lord, I pray as Your Word is preached, Lord, that we would just respond and receive what You have for us. I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. You can have a seat. So the book of Galatians was written to a church, the church of Galatia. It was mainly comprised of Jews. You know, Paul was responding to attacks as, as Christianity succeeded. Of course, he came under, under attack, and more importantly, the gospel came under attack. Paul himself was leading a revolution in religious thought. And these Jews, if they could have had their way, would have it turned back or this Christianity just be a different sect of the Jewish religion, if they had their choice, if they had their way. So his apostleship was under attack, and he begins the book of Galatians by defending it. The church of Galatia, because it was made up of mostly Jews, the, the Christian faith was under attack by Jews that really wanted to revert to Judaism. Jews thought so much of themselves, um, some would say it this way, if you're a Gentile and you want to be a Christian, that's okay, that's great. You just need to become a Jew first. You need to be circumcised, adopt the Mosaic law. These people were called Judaizers. And this is who Paul was addressing and confronting in Galatians. He was confronting an incredibly pious attitude. 
And there are just numbers of passage here in Galatians where he confronts this attitude. If you look back in Galatians 4, I'll just read a couple verses. But verse 9 of Galatians chapter 4, Paul says, But now, unto, and now after that ye have known God, or rather are known of God, how turn ye again to the weak and beggarly elements, whereunto ye desire again to be in bondage? Ye observe days and months and times and years. I am afraid of you, lest I have bestowed upon you labor in vain. I mean, that's strong language. He's saying, look, you're taking these, the, the grace of God and the truth of Christianity for granted. You're trying to turn this back toward the law. In chapter 5, verse 1, he says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. Be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage, referring to the law and strict adherence to the law without grace. Verse 5, For we through the Spirit wait for the hope of the righteousness by faith. For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. Ye did run well. Verse 7 of chapter 5, Who did hinder you that ye should not obey the truth? Paul is just pleading with him. Stay the course. Understand the significance, the importance of grace. Don't revert back to your old faith. Kind of summing the book up in Galatians chapter 2, Paul says this in Galatians 2 verse 20. He says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. So Paul is just emphasizing the importance of God's love, the importance of God's grace, the fact that we don't do good works. We don't achieve salvation on our own. Christ did it all for us. There's nothing we can do to merit salvation, to improve our standing with God. He, he's emphasizing the importance of grace in this passage. So as we get into chapter 6, there's some verses leading up to that. And the verses leading up to it in chapter 5, the Lord is emphasizing the fruit of the Spirit and teaching the importance. And then we move into this next passage of Scripture. In verse 1 it says, If a man be overtaken in a fault. You know, my mind when I read that verse automatically goes to significant big sins, moral failure, things like that. You know, correcting someone who's wrong, kind of this, this person who's um, kind of dirtied or soiled themselves and they've ruined their testimony and, and we need to help them. So we send someone who's spiritual over to help this person and, and guide them back to a place of faith and, and help them get back um, to where they're right with God. Maybe a situation where we just we know um, this person's wrong, they're in a bad place, but we want to make sure and give them a second chance. I've kind of always looked at this passage this way. That's an accurate maybe application of the principles of the text, but that's really not what the Lord's saying here and what Paul is teaching us in this passage. Really verse 1 is not disconnected from verse 2. And it's very much a part of the fruit of the Spirit, the, this attitude, this Spirit that we're supposed to display as Christians. So let's look at verse 1 this way. I believe the way the Apostle Paul meant us to. He said, if your brother's overtaken. In other words, he's your brother. And he's overtaken. 
The idea would be that your brother is someone who's close to you. It's a friend. It's someone you relate to. It's someone you spend time with. It's someone you're locked arms with. It's someone you're, you're passionate about. You care about this person. They're your brother. And maybe you're, um, you could liken it to their, you're running. You're running alongside each other. You're, you're in battle together. You're, you're running a race together. You're doing life together. And, and this brother that's alongside, he slips. He hits, <coughs> maybe there's, there's an obstacle and he didn't see the obstacle coming. This wasn't something premeditated. This something, he wasn't off here over in a corner alone by himself. And, and he's, he's, he's looking to get off track. No, this is your brother, someone you count on, someone who cares about you and you care about. And you're running alongside this person and he hits an icy patch and he goes down. And what's your natural response? Your natural response is just reach down and grab him, pick him up, and just pop right back up on his feet. So that's what the Lord's saying here in this passage. That's what Paul's teaching. If your brother is overtaken, he's trying to do what's right, but he slips up and he, he's, he makes a mistake. Here you are, you're someone who's trying to do what's right. And here your brother is, you're, you're close because he's similar to you in, in his goals and in what he's trying to do. And so he's trying to do what's right and he slips up. He didn't see that obstacle. He didn't, he didn't get over it. He didn't see that ice. He didn't, he didn't know. You know it. He slipped because you're close to him. Because you're right there beside him. Suddenly you were running and he was there and then he wasn't. You know, it's amazing. You're driving down the road. If you're like me and you're a guy, maybe this is just a guy thing. Maybe it's just a mechanical thing. But you're driving down the road and you see someone on the side of the road and you start, why are they over there? And next, you see that they're fumbling maybe for a, a, um, a spare tire or something. You notice, oh, it's a flat tire. And all these thoughts go through your mind. You know, is this person safe? Should I pull over? Do I have enough time to help them? I mean, they can do it themselves. Oh, they probably have a cell phone, right? So you go through all these reasons why not to pull over, why it'd be so much wiser to not pull over and help them. Well, you don't do any of that for someone who's close to you, for your buddy, for your friend, the person that, that accompanies you through life, that you accompany. Man, you instantly, you want to kick in and you want to help that person. That's what the passage is talking about. It says, if your brother is overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual. It doesn't say those that are mature, because maturity comes with time. The passage says those that are spiritual. Or in other words, those that are walking in the Spirit. It could be the youngest Christian willing to demonstrate the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, spoken about just there in chapter 5. Someone who is not walking in the flesh and living a carnal life. If you're spiritual and you're close to the person, help them. If you're walking in the Spirit and you can sense that their spirit isn't right, reach out to them. If ye which are spiritual, restore such a one. Help them get right back up on their feet. You need to be close enough. This is someone you care about. Someone that you walk alongside. You're to restore such an one. You're to help them. You're to be there for them. You're their friend. Get them back on their feet. The emphasis is the cure, not the punishment. As Christians, it's important. We're not to sit back and be suspicious and inquisitive. That's easy. We're supposed to stay close to our brothers and sisters in Christ. We're to be thoughtful and caring. That's the disposition of the Christian. We're to watch out for each other. And the Bible just says, watch out. 
you're going to be in the same place. You're going to face the same temptations. There's no person who doesn't slip up. There's no person that's trying to do what's right that doesn't come under attack. When we do, we need help. We need brothers and sisters in Christ close enough to identify what's going on in our life and reach out and to try and be a help. And that's what the Lord's saying. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, your friend, your close friend, the one you go, you're alongside and closest to, you which are spiritual, if we're walking in the Spirit, we're going to be ready. We're going to be sensitive. We're going to just help them get right back up. We're going to restore them in the spirit of meekness, considering ourselves, lest they also be tempted. We're going to need the same help. We need to respond and help our brothers and be responsive and receive help as well. So then we move on to this next verse. It says, bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Bear ye one another's burdens. What does bear mean? It means to sustain. It says, bear someone's burdens, their heaviness, their troubles, their faults. Bear those things. Identify with them. Be close enough to your brother and sister in Christ to understand what gives them heaviness, what trouble that they deal with, the faults that they have. The word used there for burden would be something that was descriptive of a soldier's pack. Something that a soldier would wear. It's descriptive of who we are. Who you are. Everyone here has burdens. All of us have troubles. All of us have weaknesses or, or failures and faults. There are two types of burdens mentioned in this passage, or maybe two ways of viewing burdens in this passage of Scripture. In verse 5 it says that every man shall bear his own burden. What's, what's going on? What's being said here? Well, the idea is we have a responsibility. That pack that we wear, it's our responsibility. We'll all stand before God one day. We'll all give account for the burdens, for the life that we've lived. We're all going to give an account. We have a responsibility. But as brothers and sisters in Christ, we can be a help to others along the way. We can help them with their burdens. We can encourage them when they need encouragement. We can, we can provide correction or direction or support when our brothers and sisters in Christ need support. My burden is mine, but it's your Christian privilege to help me. My burden is my responsibility, but it's our privilege to help others with their burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. The great commandment is condensed. The, the law is condensed to the two great commandments. First commandment, love God, and the second, love others. A desire to help our brothers and sisters in Christ, it's our Christian ethic. So how do we go about it? What is the spirit of, of meekness? How do we do good to those that are the household of faith, how this passage ends in verse 10. How do we do that? Stop and ask yourself for a minute. Whose burden are you bearing? How are you helping another brother or a sister? The first thought I want to share is we can't do this at arm's length. We can't bear someone else's burden at arm's length from a distance. We can't, we can't bear someone's burden without getting a little dirty, without getting a little grubby ourselves. If you think it, have you ever tried to hold something heavy at a distance? How long do you last? Have you ever seen the strongman contest where they hold um, sledgehammers out there? Okay, and as you, as you go longer and longer, they get closer and closer 
and you're slowly, slowly bringing it in. So the heavier something is, the only way you can carry something heavy is to hold it close. The heavier it is, the tighter you have to bear it. Yet the tighter you have to grasp it. If you're going to help someone sustain them through life, it's because you get close to them. If you're, going to, if you're going to be able to identify the problems or the issues or what someone's really struggling with, you can't do it at a distance. You can't do it by keeping someone at arm's length. It requires connection. We have to be connected if we're going to help someone. We can't bear a burden to someone we don't share life with. We can't connect with people we look down on. One man said this. He said, conceit can coexist with a show, but conceit can't coexist with true spirituality. The temptation we face is, oh, we dismiss this person, and we dismiss that person, and we say, well, they can't use my help, or I can't do anything for that person, and we dismiss people left and right because we give in to the temptation to look down on people. It's easy to view others either beneath us or above us. And because of that, we keep people at arm's length. It's a cruel trick of Satan. Just think about it. You know, we're all very much alike, but we're all unique. And those, those uniquenesses provide this crack where we, we look, we peer through that crack of our uniqueness and we allow ourselves to judge others. We're all very much alike, but God made us unique. And we look at someone's differences and that just gives us this little crack. And we view each other's differences that way. And the next thing you know, we begin to judge them. And that drives a wedge and it opens a chasm and we can't cross it. Because we've given in to the spirit of judgmentalism. Helping others requires connection. It doesn't leave room for being judgmental. We somehow feel good about ourselves when we look down on others. In fact, we're so much less ourselves and we're so much worse off. The Bible teaches us to view others with a spirit of meekness. Or in other words, focus on your similarities. And let's bond. Find where you can bond with others through your similarities. We all have differences. And we can view those differences as, oh, that person's too good for me. That's not a spirit of meekness. Oh, that person's beneath me. That's not a spirit of meekness. The spirit of meekness is, no, I'm going to view each of you. We're going to view each other through eyes of grace. The grace that God gives us. The grace that God's imparted to each of us that allow us to see each other through eyes of, hey, this is how I can help you. Uh, this is one, one way where we're similar and we can be a blessing to each other. I'm not looking for differences. I'm not looking to divide. I'm, I'm looking how I can be a blessing. Meekness is viewing everyone with God's grace in mind. And that's what Paul's trying to convince his church to do. We can't bear each other's burdens. We can't be a real help to each other. We can't sustain someone. We can't see where their struggles lie. We can't be a blessing. We can't be used if we keep people at arm's length. If we give in to the temptation to be judgmental. If we give in to the temptation to view ourselves beneath others. Or to somehow view ourselves beyond or above others. 
And then the second thought is we have to be willing to give something up. If you're going to bear someone's burden, you have to give someone, something up yourself. If everyone has burdens, those are heaviness or trouble or faults, and we do, the list could go on, then we have to take our mind off our own things and put our mind on others. Philippians chapter 2 verse 4 says, let not every man think of his own self. Don't think of your own problems. Don't let that overwhelm you. Don't let your own issues allow you to block out others and, and not be concerned, not be a help, not be focused, not be involved in others' lives. It says, but, but put your mind on other people's difficulties, on other people's struggles, and see how you can help them. Turn your thoughts toward others. Then we have to take a step. We have to do something uncomfortable. We have to figure out how to help. We actually have to give up some brain space. We have to be willing to be a little uncomfortable to help someone get to a place where they need to be. You know, going back to the illustration of someone on the side of the road, how many thoughts go through your mind? It's amazing how fast our mind works and how quickly we come up with excuses. We can think of a thousand excuses before we can think of the one way, the one reason, the one driving force that could cause us to be a help. You know, just like the verse where we're running alongside our brother and we see him slip, there's nothing that could stand between you and your brother at that moment. No one's going to keep running. If, if, you're truly, if you're truly serving with someone, if you're truly a friend of someone, if you truly care about that person, if you truly want what's best for them and for you, you won't just run off and leave them. You won't consider all the excuses. Your time will suddenly become, won't, won't matter. All these things that sometimes hold so much value to us, if we truly care about someone, if we truly love someone, we'll give those things up. It's nothing. It's not that important. What's most important is our brother, our sister, that person we care about. If you're close enough to a brother and you know he's having trouble with his money, can you offer advice? Can you offer accountability? If a coworker is struggling, are you going to listen to them? Are you going to let them talk through the problem and, and, and help them solve whatever it is they're dealing with, whatever it is they're going through? Are you going to be that listening ear that helps solve resolve problems? If, if your friend has a health problem, a health need, are you going to take a trip with them to the doctor? Are you going to accompany them? Are you going to try and be a support? Are you going to try and be a help? We can't bear each other's burdens without giving something up. We have to give up our time. We have to be willing to give up our money, our emotional energy, our spiritual energy. Bearing each other's burdens will cost us something. We can't be a help to someone without it costing us something. In life, I think it's worth asking ourselves a question. With this verse in mind, let me ask you, how close are you to your spouse? Sure, you live in the same house. Sure, you share the bills. But are you in a place to be a help to them? Have you positioned yourself when they fall to lift them up, to be that support? Do you have that closeness that allows you to be the help, the person that they need? How close are you to your children? Well, it's easy to have kids and to pay the bills, but are you connected? 
do you know what's on their mind? Do you know what their struggles are? Do you know how to be a help to them, the support that they need, the encouragement that they need? Your coworkers, do you have coworkers that you're investing in, that you're trying to be a blessing to, or you just go there for a paycheck? Do you see them as a soul that God loves, someone you can be a help to, your friends at church? How much are you investing? How much are you giving up? You can't lift up a brother. You can't help someone in need. You can't do it from a distance. You can't do it without costing you. Are you close enough to help? Paul's just saying, if we're spiritual, if we have the fruit of the Spirit, then we're to exhibit the fruit of the Spirit. We're to help others in their spiritual walk. We're to, be, we're to bear each other's burdens. Or do we more often suffer from the common fault of fault finding? Do we give in to the easy life of focusing on differences? Because if we do, that's what Satan wants to do. He wants to divide us. He wants us to focus on our differences, to put distance between you and me, to drive that wedge, to, to view it as a chasm that we can't cross. That's the temptation that Satan lays out there for us, to focus on difference. What have you given up to help someone? Hopefully you don't have to look back very long before you figure out and before you can see, hey, I've given up this time. Or I've stopped and had a conversation with this person. You know, I just maintain relationships, close relationships, so I can be there when my brother slips, when my brother stumbles. There are a lot of people that count on me, and there are a lot of people that I count on. It's important. For the Christian, closeness is essential. Are you close enough to be a help? Someone you care about in your family, at your job, in this church family needs your help. If you're willing to make that investment, if you're willing to give them your time, if you're willing to serve them, and that's what Paul's saying. It's not difficult. Bear each other's burdens. Sustain them. And so fulfill the law of Christ. Let's all stand together.